Uh, John chapter 8, go ahead and turn there. We're going to continue on in our series in John. John chapter 8. And I'm going to look beginning at verse 31. Verse 31. A lot of good stuff in here this morning. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. I want to entitle the message this morning, Free Indeed, Part 1. Free indeed, part one. We talked about verse 31 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Jesus had made the declaration that he is the light of the world, and those who follow him will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. And we saw that that light of life is not only the understanding that leads us to salvation, the understanding that Jesus died on the cross, taking the penalty for our sins so that we can be reconciled to God, but that he continues to give us light, doesn't he? He continues to give us understanding and knowledge so that we can have a better quality of life. For example, Mark 11:25 says, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. How many here this morning have experienced the freeing power of forgiveness? I know I have. Holding grudges is a heavy burden, isn't it? It's like a poison or like a print. Well, it's like a poison, but it's also like a prison because we're stuck there. Right. Waiting for another person to acknowledge their wrong, waiting for another person to come and humble themselves and apologize to us. So we're stuck right until that happens. We're, we're in a prison. Uh, Another thing we can do with that is start putting up walls of protection around ourselves. Anybody ever done that so that we don't get hurt anymore? Nobody likes to get hurt, right? But again, the walls that we put up begin to shut out other people. It's more and more of a prison. So then we get into the scripture. We find the truth. Jesus says, What we need to do in this situation is forgive. And when we forgive, it sets us free, doesn't it? Free from that prison. Free to have the Lord minister to our hearts and bring healing and grace to us. Free to be able to love, to connect with other people. So the Bible, as you know, is full of truth that sets us free, isn't it? About every page, right? It's got something in it, some kind of truth that can set us free in some area of our lives. 
But as we said a couple of weeks ago, looking at verse 31, we need to abide in it, don't we? We have to spend time in God's word, reading it, praying over it, asking God to reveal truth to our hearts, deep in our hearts. And then we need to apply it, don't we? Knowing the truth is not just knowing about the truth, right? Like knowing Jesus is is more than knowing about Jesus, right? So to know the truth is to believe it, to put faith into it, put it into action in our lives. No one, I, I can about guarantee this, no one was ever set free through forgiveness by saying, yeah, I know I should forgive, but, right? I know it's the right thing to do, but, see, that never set anybody free. We have to apply it in our lives. Now, who is he talking to here originally in verse 31? Uh, It says the Jews who had believed him. The Jews who had believed him. It says back in chapter 7, verse 40, says some were saying, this is the Christ. Okay, so there were there were those in the crowd that day listening to Jesus that had said, you know, nobody's done what he's done. Nobody speaks like him. He's the Christ. That's what we believe. But what we're going to find out as we go along here is that it was really just surface belief. Jesus was about to shine the light deeper into their hearts. And as we look there, we're going to see something else. Verse 33, they answer him. We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now, if we're going to understand this, we have to look at it from a Jewish perspective. See, way back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God had made Abraham a promise. He said this. He said, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, there were a lot of other promises that came to Abraham. Uh, There's more to it than that. But basically, in essence, God said that Abraham's offspring were not only going to become a nation, but that they would be his people, God's chosen people, heirs of the favor and blessing of God. So here these Jews are listening to Jesus. And in their minds, spiritually speaking, they're fine. They're in simply because they are Jews, simply because they're Abraham's descendants. They weren't in darkness like the heathens around them. Right. So they were good. And on top of that, they're saying, speaking in the natural, they had never been anyone's slave. Right. Um, So they didn't understand. What are you talking about? Free from what? We don't you know, we're Jews. We've never been slaves. What, What do you mean set free? So verse 34, Jesus answers them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Hmm. Jesus has a way of getting right to the heart of the matter, doesn't he? See, what they didn't realize was, yes, 
they were slaves, not outwardly, but inwardly. See, they did have something by birth. As the Holy Spirit through Paul would say later in Romans chapter 9, verse 4, they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. There were plenty of wonderful pluses to be in a Jew. Absolutely. But it didn't fix their individual hearts. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. See, they didn't get a free pass to heaven just because Abraham was their forefather. What they got by being Jews was the knowledge of the one true God. They, they, they had his presence. They had the knowledge of him. They had his laws. They had his prophets. They had everything, right? They had so much opportunity Right. The the, the whole sacrificial system and the worship in the temple, they had every opportunity to draw near to God personally, one on one, more than anybody else in the world. But they still had to take that opportunity, didn't they? They had to, first of all, recognize their own spiritual depravity, just like anyone else. And they had to put their faith and hope in God's Savior, just like anyone else. Whereas you and I put our faith in the Savior who died on the cross for us, past tense, right? The Jews had to put their faith in the Savior who was to come, right? And then for now, trust in the temporary atonement that God had provided through the animal sacrifices in the meantime. But he had promised them through Isaiah 53, through other places, that a Savior would come and set them free. But they had to acknowledge that first. And as always, again, Jesus pointed them to their own hearts. To their own hearts. You're not free. You're a slave to sin. How do you know that? Because you keep doing it. I think, you know, it's it's not hard if we all take a step back to realize our personal depravity, spiritual depravity, our own personal propensity to sin. Right. I don't think we really need a whole lot of convincing that at our core, there's a problem. Even the Apostle Paul recognized this condition in himself in Romans chapter 7, beginning verse 14. He says this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. The NIV says, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. The New Living Translation, I am all too human, a slave to sin. For I do not understand my own actions, Paul says. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing 
I hate. That's slavery, isn't it? That's bondage. It's not as easy as simply making a choice because Paul says, I keep making the same wrong choice over and over. He'll go on to say, who will set me free from the body of this death, right? And if you've ever struggled personally with a particular sin that you can't seem to get victory over, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Can't help it. Keep going back to it time and time again because there's a problem, an inner problem. And we need to recognize that. Verse 35 Jesus goes on to say, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, they were in the house, so to speak, weren't they? They were part of the household of God, if you will. But not all of them were in the family. Many were slaves, as Jesus just pointed out to them. They were slaves. And a slave does not remain in the house forever. In other words, you think you're in just because you're a child of Abraham. You think you're all set for all of eternity. But a slave does not remain in the house forever. There will come a time when that slavery will exclude you. That's what Jesus was saying. But if the son, who is a forever part of the family, sets you free from that slavery, you will be free indeed. Now, there's a a lot more to this conversation here between Jesus and the Jews, but I think we can summarize it this way. They were relying on their heritage and on their religious practices, thinking that they had eternity all sewn up. And Jesus was saying, you know, if you really honestly look inside your heart, you're going to see that there's a deeper issue here, a personal sin issue that needs to be addressed. What was he doing? Was he trying to make them feel bad? No, he was trying to help them because until you or me, or anyone else acknowledges that personal problem with sin, we can't be saved, can we? Until I know I have a need for a Savior, I can't truly be saved. How can I be set free from something that I don't even believe is an issue, right? I think sometimes we have a tendency in the church to, uh, through the years, especially as of you know, the last 30 or 40 years of just wanting to make the gospel so um, accessible to everybody. And, and, And it's wonderful. And it's all about love. And it's all about this. And it's all about that. And you can just receive Jesus into your life without the acknowledgement, really, of a sinful condition. And I think we're we're treading on some thin ice when we do that. Because until, again, we realize that we have a need, we don't really understand what the grace of God in Jesus Christ is all about. And I think that's the principle that Jesus is getting to here. 
that's one of the founding principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. Is that before you can even start a path to healing and sobriety, you have to admit you have a problem, right? That's why the program is successful. You got to admit. And, and that's, you know, hi, I'm Ron and I'm a sinner, right? Until we get to that point, we really can't progress anywhere else. If we think compared to murderers and rapists and other evil people that we're good enough for heaven, Romans 3.23 declares for all time, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But contrary, 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Faithful to honor the death of Jesus on the cross for us. And just because Jesus served our sentence, didn't he? Our death sentence. He served it so that you and I could go free. So let me ask this morning, deep in our hearts, have you been cleansed? Has the Son set you free? If not, you can do that today. You know, I've met a lot of people. I, I'll be honest with you. I have met a lot of people that told me um, at various times, you know, I sat in church for years and years and years. And then finally, it clicked. Finally, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I thought I was a Christian. But then it all came true. It all, it all came um, true to my heart. And I understood it. I needed to be saved. So I don't know everybody intimately. I don't know your history, where your hearts are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All I know is that Jesus is in the setting free business. He wants everyone to come to him. He wants everyone to be reconciled to God. He's not here to shame anybody, but we do have to acknowledge what's in our own hearts if we're truly going to receive that grace of forgiveness and that peace with Almighty God. For me, I can tell you, I, I didn't have the church history growing up. I was just a plain sinner. Plain and simple. Uh, I, was, I was godless and I lived like it. That's my testimony. I think it's harder, really, for really nice people to understand that it's not how bad a person is. It's that God's holy law was broken at all. And again, we've all fallen short. The wages of sin is death, the scripture says. Separation from God for all of eternity. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, didn't he? Who died in our place that we might be set free. Jesus said this. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, open that door, I'll come in. If that's you today, again, could have been Sunday school teacher for 95 years. Doesn't really matter. What matters is, 
Have you personally opened that door? Have you personally come to him as a sinner in need of a savior, looking to him for his grace? If that's you, I want to pray with you this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, we can see through your word that we're all in the same boat, every single one of us. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of your glory. We've all broken your law at one point or another. We need a Savior. And so, Lord, I open my heart to you. I open as you knock on that door and ask you to save me, set me free as only the Son can do. Oh, Jesus, come into my heart and my life. Teach me what it is to be free from sin. For your glory and for your praise. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. And amen. I also want to talk to those that already made that decision. Can we be honest with ourselves and with each other that there are sins that we struggle with continually, right? There are those things that uh, I remember when, when I came to the Lord, I had a mouth like a trooper and instantly the Lord cleaned it up. That was one of the, one of the freebies, if you will, that, um, you know, just worked for me. It hasn't worked for everybody. It worked for me. Um, other things that have, that have come quite easily, other things that have been a struggle. Next week, I want to talk about that. Next week, I want to talk about um, how to overcome those sins that so easily beset us. How can we get victory over the things that keep tripping us up time and time again? Again, Jesus is the son who sets us free. We're not supposed to uh, be tripped up our whole lives with the same things over and over and over again. He has a path to victory. And I want to talk about that next week. Amen. So. God bless you. I uh, hope this has been meaningful for you today. Uh, I know, you know, I'm preaching to the choir in, in some respects, but, you know, you always want to uh, keep coming back to the cross, keep coming back to the cross, making sure that everybody has that opportunity to understand and to give their heart to Jesus. So here we go. Amen.